Well, good morning, Vintage Church. If this is your first time, welcome. My name is Keegan. I'm the lead pastor here at our Belton location, and I am honored that you would come and worship with us this morning. We are actually wrapping up uh, an eight-week series called Stronger, but before we jump into that, I do want to speak for a moment and share a video with you. How many of you have been praying for the situation in Israel and and all of that? Yes. It's great to pray, and we're going to continue to pray as a church. We've uh, made it very clear that we're standing with Israel in all of this. And we've actually even partnered with an organization called Eagle's Wings uh, with Bishop Stearns, Robert Stearns. And so uh, he sent a message to Pastor Stephen in regards to that to share with all of our church. And so I just want to take a moment and share that with you. Pastor Stephen Martin, all the family at Vintage Church, Bishop Robert Stearns here from Eagle's Wings. I wanted to thank you for the way you are responding to the crisis in Israel. Through your partnership, we've been able to send support to the very front lines of the battle. I spoke with Mimi yesterday from our Abraham's Bread feeding centers. We fed 7,000 soldiers yesterday on the very front line. This week, we're deploying $40,000 in emergency medical equipment through our partnership with United Hatzalah. In every single aspect, we are immediately deploying to the front lines of this conflict, standing against the evil of Hamas and deploying your prayers and your giving to the front line. Thank you for your support of Israel through Eagle's Wings. Connect with me on social media so I can continue to keep you updated from the front lines. I so appreciate Pastor Stephen Martin and all the family at Vintage Church. That's awesome. Come on, we're a part of the global body of Christ. Bible says that we're to weep with those that weep and and laugh with those that laugh and celebrate with those that celebrate. And so we're going to continue to pour into this work and and continue to pray and believe uh, that God will have his way and resolve that conflict over there. If you want to be a part of that, you can scan that QR code and give today. Uh, But I'm ready to end this amazing series because I'm also excited about next week. We'll get into Nehemiah, as Pastor Stephen was alluding to. Uh, That's going to be a fantastic series talking about a time to build. Um, But today... We're going to finish stronger. How many of you have enjoyed this series? How many of you, even more than enjoyed it, you've actually learned something and you feel like you're getting stronger through it? Come on, let me know. It's good to to get some feedback and know that the stuff you're preaching and teaching is actually helping somebody. Uh, Maybe it's just good for me. I don't know. But uh, I want to give you a little bit of a recap, not too much. Um, because I know it's a lot to recap eight weeks in one or seven weeks in one. So you, I want to encourage you, go back. You can listen on the podcast, the Vintage uh, Belton podcast, or you can go on our YouTube channel and catch up if you missed any of this. But uh, week one, we learned about who our enemy is and the landscape of this battle. Uh, we started off letting everyone know that, hey, this battle is real, whether you're part- uh, participating in it and aware of it or not. It is real. The spiritual realm is real. There is an an enemy. There are spiritual powers that are working against us. And so we have to be mindful of that. But God has not left us ill-equipped to deal with it. Come on, that's good news. And so week two, we started looking at the specific areas of the armor that we're going to read about here in a moment in Ephesians 6. We talked about the belt of truth. Uh, Then we went on to the breastplate of righteousness, and we learned about the shoes of peace, how we should be ready uh, to carry the gospel, the good news to everyone around us. We learned about the shield of faith in week five, week six, the helmet of salvation. And last week, we talked about the sword of the spirit, how God's word is not just a foundation for our life. It is also our best offensive weapon against the enemy. And so today, uh, let's go back to our original text one more time. Who's got your Bible? Wave it at me. 
Come on, we got to get some more Bibles. I'm going to say it every week. Real Christians have what? Real Bibles. Come on, it's going to take, I promise. By Christmas, it's going to be a whole slew of people raising their real Bibles up. Turn with me to Ephesians 6. Some of you may even have this memorized by now. But I'm going to read it for those of us that don't. It says in verse 10, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Come on, we've got to take a stand as believers. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. Verse 16, in every situation, say every. Come on, that means all situations, every situation. Take up the shield of faith with, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And here we are in verse 18. Pray at all times. Say all. So in every situation and pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert. Come on, we got to stay awake with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. That's good scripture right there. As we talk about the seventh thing, on this list, it's often the thing that is left out of the conversation of the armor of God, but it's actually very necessary, and it, in a sense, pulls everything together. We're talking, of course, about prayer, and there is a significance to the number of seven. I don't know if you knew that, but every time you see the number seven used in Scripture, it is a number of completion. Let me give you two examples. In Genesis, God created the earth in how many days? Six. Six days, and then he did what? And then he rested. Now, did God rest? Because he was tired. No, God rested because he said, hey, I got six days of stuff I just made, and it's all good, so I'm going to rest, and I'm going to set up and establish this pattern that I want my people to follow, which is taking a Sabbath. I've said this before in other series. If you're working seven days a week, you're not honoring God's commitment to, and commandment to have a Sabbath. You will wear yourself plumb out. And if you're not honoring, I'm just going to say it, if you're not honoring this principle and this commandment to take a Sabbath, don't, don't get mad when you're worn out and you're weary and you're tired and you're, and you're all those things, right? Because God has said for a reason that we're to take a day and dedicate it to him and rest from our work. The fulfillment of the end times will also be ushered in by groups of sevens. Uh, Revelation 6, 8, 11, and 16 all speak to this. There's seven seals, seven trumpets, sounded by seven angels. I used to play trumpet, and that's my, when I was practicing without my actual trumpet, that's what I would do. Uh, Seven bowls of God's promised wrath carried by seven angels. Seven is the number of completion. So here in Ephesians 6.18 again, pray at all times in the spirit. Don't just pray in your flesh. Pray in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. So as we've been doing in every week, we're going to look at characteristics of this Roman spear. And this is going to be fascinating. I don't know if you've ever studied this or looked at this, but remember, Paul's writing this in prison. He's taking what he sees in the natural in, in all the makeup of the Romans' armor, and God is showing him how that applies to spiritual armor, if you will. And so, once again, here we are now with the spear, and here's some characteristics. There were several different kinds of spears. 
used by the Romans. The spears had different tips and materials based on their purpose. Some were heavy with tips made to puncture enemy shields. Tips would break off and make the enemy shield too heavy to hold. So as more spears were cast into these shields, uh, they would break off, and then all of a sudden it would get too big for the enemy to even carry their own shield. Uh, Mechanical broadheads, maximum damage. Uh, think of the pillum spear, which was made out of ash, which is the same that they use in baseball bats. Some were lighter with softer tips. These could be thrown, but the tips would break so that the enemy couldn't throw them back. Come on, that's a good thing. You don't want to give your enemy uh, armor and, and the ability to throw things back at you. Some were made to extend the soldier's reach to strike, obviously, at a distance, which makes it even safer to engage in, in, in the enemy. And then the cavalry would have spears 16 to 17 feet long to carry on horseback. So as they were riding through battle, they could, they could spear folks. Pretty, pretty uh, what do you call that? Not medieval, but Bible times. The point is this. There's many different types of spears, just like there are many different types of prayer. In fact, you may not know, the Bible lists at least nine types of prayer. And I'm just going to tell you right now, you got to get fast hands because there's a lot I'm going to cover in this period of time, and you don't want to miss this. The first one is the prayer of faith. We find in James 5.15. This is, he speaks to healing and, and, and praying with faith. Come on. The Bible says if you're going to come to God, you've got to first what? Believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. I like asking you to find out how much you're reading your Bible, how much you're, you're learning. But you've got to have faith. Faith pleases God. As a matter of fact, it literally says in Scripture, it's impossible to please God without faith. So what does that look like in your prayers? Pray boldly. The Bible says that the righteous are bold as a lion, and we can come boldly before the throne of grace. And so when you go to pray for somebody who, you know, is sick in their body, don't approach them. Well, God, I don't, hey, I just want to, I don't know. God may be able to heal this. It might be too far down the road. It might be too big. I don't know. No. When you go to pray for somebody with healing, Say, listen, my God is the great physician. He can heal anything and anywhere and anyone, and I believe that God can heal you. Can I pray for you? Right? you got to pray with that kind of faith. Now, does it mean that God will instantly heal that person? Not always. But it's not our job to do the healing. It's our job to do the praying. And my Bible never tells me to cease praying for these things. Right? I love this story. Uh, one of our elders, Charlie, has, has told me this, and I'm sure he doesn't mind me sharing. And, and his, his wife, Debbie, has told my wife, one of the things that she loves so much about her husband is that all the things that she's dealt with in her health, he still, multiple times a day, will come by her and just lay his hand on her and pray for healing. Now, they haven't seen the full manifestation of it yet, but his faith is still there. He still believes that the God that he serves can heal, and so he's going to keep praying. Come on. Have you ever heard the story of the persistent widow? The Bible says to pray and keep on praying and keep on asking. I'm going to keep going. Then there's the prayer of agreement or the corporate prayer. This is Acts 2.42. They prayed together in church. I'm telling you, we're going to have even more moments. A lot of our worship nights, we incorporate a time of corporate prayer. I want to uh, even have other people. We're going to have a prayer training uh, over at Harker Heights on Saturday, November 11th. I would encourage you to come to that. I want to teach people who feel uh, not confident to, to know how to pray so that we can gather together. Listen, your prayers are just as powerful as mine. Do you believe that? God will listen to you just as much as he'll listen to me. And so you've got to have confidence when you pray. 
And if you're not sure how to approach God, we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. But come to that training. We're going to show you how you can pray and, and, and what Scripture says we ought to be praying for. Number three, prayer of request. Philippians 4, 6. You take your request to God. We say this a lot. Prayer should not just be you coming, hey, God, here I am this morning. Here's my hit list. I need you to take care of this by the end of the day. It's not just about our, our requests, but it's not, not about our requests. God actually loves it when we come to him because we're not going to anybody else. It, it proves that we believe he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the one that can answer our prayers. Just like I don't want my daughter to feel like she can't come to me with, when she has a need, that she's got to go find somebody else to meet her need. Come on, what parent would be like, are you kidding me? I would have gave you the that like that's, that's my job I'm putting a roof over your head I'm making sure you have food to eat I'm buying you too many toys like my wife tells me all the time stop spoiling her just blah, blah, blah. she's right but I just ignore her sometimes <laughs> but the reality is God loves it when his children come to him for their needs to be met and he even says that he knows already what our need is even before we ask him about it but we've got to make our prayers a request. Also, the prayer of thanksgiving in Psalm 95, 2 and 3. You are grateful and thankful. You've got to come with gratefulness. Even when we talk about worship, there's a model that was established in, in how they would approach God, how they would approach the Holy of Holies. It started with entering his gates with thanksgiving. Then you got to his courts with praise. But it, I'm telling you, the, one of the fastest ways to get God's ear is to come with gratitude. Come on, come with real, genuine thankfulness. God, thank you. Start your prayer like that. I'm telling you, you will feel and sense the presence of the Holy Spirit when you begin to thank him. God, before I even ask you for anything else, I want to thank you for what you've already given me. I want to thank you for this roof over my head. I, I want to thank you for the job I have. It's not the, the, the job, it's not my dream job yet, but, but it's a job and it's providing for my family. Thank you, God, for this job. Come with thankfulness. Moving on, there's a prayer of worship. Acts 13 speaks of this. This is you positioning God as God. And this really isn't for him. It's more for us. We've got to remind ourselves. You come to him and, God, I just thank you that you are the Alpha and Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You are the king of the universe. You are the Lord Almighty. You've got to remind yourself of God's place. And it'll stir your confidence up because then you remember, oh, yeah. He is bigger than all of these problems. He's bigger than all of these situations. He is able. He is the one who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He's not, uh, not able to help me. You've got to be reminded. Then the prayer of consecration or dedication. Matthew 26, 39. An example of this uh, would be child dedications or, or being set apart. This is why we do parent and child dedications, right? We're coming and we're saying, hey, Lord, we, we want this child to know you. Even at the, as early as they possibly can, we want our children to know God and to be able to form and start their relationship with God. And so we dedicate them and we commit to raising them to know him. And then there's the prayer of intercession, 1 Timothy 2.1. You pray on another's behalf. How many of you have ever had prayer times where none of it was actually about you? It was just a list of people that, that God put on your heart or that people had let you know they asked for prayer. How many of you have had moments like that? It's powerful. And can I tell you this? When you spend your time praying for others, I've seen over and over God take care of the needs of the person who spent all their time praying for someone else. He just has a way of doing that. When you will be selfless and you'll put others, you'll esteem others as higher than yourself, even in your prayer times, I'm telling you, God will take care of you. 
He will take care of you. He'll put you on 10 other people's minds, and they'll be praying for you in your situation. Then there's the prayer of imprecation or against enemies. Psalm 69, you pray against the enemy and his schemes. We are called to pray against darkness. That is the greatest thing that we can do. I believe it's 2 Chronicles that talks about if God's people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their, right? Humble themselves and pray. You want to see change happen, not only in your home, but in our society. It starts with us as the church, the body of believers, humbling ourselves and praying, turning to the only one who can change hearts. See, the world tries to change things through legislation and through laws and through all these things. None of that can touch the heart of a person. So we need God to intervene. We need the Holy Spirit to touch hearts and change hearts. And lastly, the ninth thing, praying in the Spirit. This is 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 15. You pray as the Holy Spirit gives you utterance and words. And sometimes the Bible says we, we don't have any words. Have you ever been in a situation where you're like, God, I, I need to pray, but I literally don't even have the words to pray because of the gravity of the situation or just my frustration or just my total loss of not knowing what to do and how to proceed. You can ask the Holy Spirit, invite him. Holy Spirit, come and pray through me. You know what I even need to, to pray and be asking for. That'll be in alignment with your word and your truth. Let me give you some interesting facts about prayer in the Bible. There are 650 prayers listed in the Bible. There are approximately 450 recorded answers to prayer in the Bible. The first time prayer is mentioned in the Bible is Genesis 4.26. The Bible records Jesus praying 25 different times during his earthly ministry. And that's just what was recorded. Right? We know, in, I believe it's in the end of John, where it says that if they recorded everything that Jesus did and taught, there wouldn't be enough books to write it all down. In the Bible, Paul mentions prayer, prayers, prayer reports, prayer requests, exhortations to pray 41 times. And the Bible lists five specific postures when praying. Sitting, 2 Samuel 7, 18. Standing, Mark eleven twenty five. I know I'm going fast. You won't get all these. You can ask me for the notes later. Kneeling, face to the ground. This is also a form of worship when you prostrate yourself and lay before God. Some of you have maybe never done that. I would encourage you, try it. Now, don't do it in the middle of, you know, Sunday afternoon football and expect everybody to be quiet around you. But go into your prayer closet and try. Posture yourself in some of these different postures that, that God's people have used for, for thousands of years. And then with hands lifted up, come on, you can just pray. God, I just love you. I thank you that you're, you're going to answer the, my prayers, Lord, according to your will and according to your uh, wisdom. But you can lift your hands up as an, an act of surrender and a posture of surrender. Jesus was passionate about prayer and spending time with God. He would regularly stop and distance himself to spend time with God. He modeled it for us. Mark 1.35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. Matthew 14.23, after dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. I will tell you this, for everyone that thinks the, the best time to pray is always the morning, that's not the only time Jesus prayed. So this one says, well into the night. If you're a night prayer, pray at night. If you're a morning prayer, pray in the morning. The point is, pray. <laughs> right? You got to pray just to make it today. Anyway. Luke 5, 16. Yet he often withdrew. Say often. 
to deserted places and prayed. Jesus wasn't looking for a bunch of public places he could go make a spectacle about his praying. Oh, y'all going to love this. Watch this. Watch how I throw down in prayer. You know, he didn't, he didn't go to the square in the city, you know, and, and, and go on and on with all of his words. We're going to look at that in a moment. Jesus got alone with God. You need to find time and find a place. Maybe it's a certain room in your house. For some of you, maybe it's honestly in your car because your kids get up earlier than you and your dog's even earlier than that. And you can't find a quiet, deserted place except your car. That's all right. Make your car your prayer closet. And people walk by in the morning and see you just going after God and they'll, they'll wonder. They might think you're crazy. That's okay. But you've got you've to get alone with God and make your, uh, make your prayer time a priority. While Jesus is constantly slipping away and withdrawing to pray, the house of prayer was becoming more corrupt every day. This prompted him to rebuke the religious leaders for how they regarded the house. Remember, Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. Look at Luke 19 and 46. And he said, it is written, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And Jesus was warning his disciples not to do this. Matthew 6, 2 through 4 says this. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be applauded by people. Can I just tell you this? Instagram is not your platform to be praying. Right? Now, it might be fine to, if you feel like you just want to pray over the country or you want to pray over some people and do that on social media. That's fine. But your personal devotional time with God doesn't need to be blasted on social media. For what? So someone can see how righteous you are or how good you are? Like, come on. That's, that's, we don't need that. Right? So you can become a famous Instagram prayer? Like, what is this stuff? Not everything in your life, side note, not everything in your life belongs on social media. Matter of fact, I'd say most of your life does not belong on social media. Stop trying to settle, all, have all your feuds hashed out there. Stop trying to, you know, stop. Just stop. I would throw it all away if I could. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And he continues, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask him. Can I just help you out? There's a lot of people that I've, I've talked to that are like, well, I just don't have the right words. I just, I can't pray. You know, I'm not that eloquent, and I don't know that much of the Bible yet. And I don't, listen, the best prayer you can pray is the simple one that you fully mean from the depths of your heart. Even if it's this, Lord, I don't, I don't even know what, how to approach you today, but would you just help me? I just want to serve you, God. I just want to please you today. Will you just help me? Will you just show me how? I want to reach somebody for you today. Will you just highlight somebody and give me an opportunity as I go throughout my day to, to just share my faith with somebody? You can talk to God. This is not about a religious memorization. Even the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to get to in a moment. I'm going to have to really hustle. There's nothing magical about the religious uh, practice of just repeating the Lord's Prayer. 
if it doesn't come from your heart and it's, you're just reciting it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's got to come from your heart. Jesus continued in Matthew 6, 16. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites. I love that word. Who, who uses gloomy? For they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have the reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. You just need to memorize that line. For your father who sees in secret will reward you. So good. You don't have to brag about, well, guys, I'm fasting. I can't have B-dubs this Thursday. I can't get boneless wings because I'm fasting. Now listen, find another reason to tell them why you're not getting B-dubs that week. That's my thing. I don't know. Let's summarize it. When you give, pray, and fast, don't make it about you. Right? Make it about God. Enough said. This is relationship versus religion. All right, let me give you some acknowledgments. Jesus tells us specifically how we pray in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Therefore, you should pray like this. He does give us a model, right? This is not a religious duty, but it is a model of how we're supposed to pray. He says this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I want to give you some acknowledgments when praying. As we go through this, I want you to understand the model of this prayer and what Jesus is saying. Number one, to acknowledge God's position. Our Father in heaven. Right? It starts with recognizing there's someone bigger than you here. There's an old movie called Beaches. Anybody see this movie? Okay, everybody like my age and older. But in this movie, it's Bette Midler's become this big deal, and she's a celebrity, and there's this scene. I'll never forget the scene. She, she walks into... Uh, this restaurant, and they weren't expecting her, right? And, and there's a favorite place that she likes to sit. And so the concierge or the manager, whoever it was, he sees her, and he, he goes over to the people sitting, having their dinner at the scene. He goes, I'm sorry, there's someone bigger than you here tonight. And he asks them to leave so that they could see. Listen, God is bigger than us, right? His thoughts are higher. His ways are higher. And so we got to begin and approach him in understanding and recognizing his position, our Father who is in heaven. Then we acknowledge his power. We trust that he is God. Your name be honored as holy. He's a holy, powerful God. We acknowledge God's will. Trust that he is good. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Some of you are frustrated because your prayers are not being answered, but it's because your prayers are your desires and your will. Even when we have a desire and we have a will, we need to pray in a posture that's submitted to, but God, if your will is better and your will is different and your will is higher, I want that instead. Even Jesus going to the cross said, not my will, but what? But your will be done. If this is the only way, God, then that's the way I want to go. That's the way we need to treat even our personal prayers. Acknowledge your needs. And this is needs versus wants. Give us today the food that we need for today. Come on, let's not be greedy prayers. Right? Let's not be greedy. Ask God for what you need. He knows how much, much you need. And I guarantee you, our God is generous. He's going to give you more than what you actually need anyway. Why? So that you have some to share with someone else. That's just how he works. Acknowledge others. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. It is tied together. 
I think I've said this before. We ought to do a series on all the one another's. You go back through your Bible and look at how God uh, shows the connection of our relationship with him this way and our relationship with one another this way. It's very important. You can't just love God and not care about any other people that you're in relationship with. It doesn't work that way. And then acknowledge your future. God's deliverance will be provided. Uh, it says, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. You got to ask God's help to walk this walk in this life and in our society. Let me give you some big ideas about prayer. I got to hustle. Is this good? Prayer is talking to God. As I mentioned, when people ask how to pray, the first thing I tell them is it's a conversation. You don't have to have some big eloquent, you know, speech. You just have to come vulnerable, come humbly, but come with faith, right? And just share, talk to God. It's a two-way conversation as well, right? We've got two ears and one mouth. So when you go to have your quiet time with God, plan time to actually listen and wait for a response, right? No conversation works if one person just, blah, 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 okay, see you tomorrow. That's not a healthy, that's not even a conversation. That's a monologue. We want dialogue, right? We want, we're going to say something, and we're going to wait and listen for God to say something back to us. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Prayer also gives us strength. Luke 18, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should pray and not give up. Like I said, over and over, and in Matthew it says, if you're knocking on the door, keep on knocking, keep asking. Our job as believers is to do the asking, is to keep praying, keep believing. We leave the results up to God and trust his sovereignty, but, but our job is to act on our faith and put it into action. Prayer is stronger combined with giving and fasting. This is your next point. Ecclesiastes 4.12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Matthew 6, right after Jesus teaches on prayer, he goes into teaching about fasting and about giving. All of this should be done in an attitude and a heart of prayer. Whenever we're giving, that's why we talk about giving is not just, it's not really much about the money. It is all about our heart. And it's about us trusting God that he's got way more resources and way more wisdom on how to handle all this stuff than we do. And, the, and there's power in the agreement. This is why... It's okay and good, and I would recommend you get two or three people. When you've got something going on in your life, share that with them that they can truly be praying for you and being in agreement, right? God hears those prayers. Number four, prayer changes things. You have to believe this. James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Well, the older translation says, the prayers of a righteous man or woman avails much, right? We've got to spend time. We're literally commanded to pray for one another in your prayer time. If it's always only about you and your stuff, you're missing something. You should be praying for those around you and those you're in family with. Prayers can be hindered. You've got to understand this. Here's six quick ways, and I'm landing the plane. Brooks, if you want to come on up, you can, you can start. Six ways prayers can be hindered. Number one, selfishness. How many of you, you want to know what can hinder your prayer? Oh, nobody? Well, I'll just quit now. We'll just. Selfishness, James 4, 3. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. 
Lord, I just want that Lamborghini, and I'm not going to do anything until you give me that Lamborghini. He'll say, fine, then don't do, don't do anything. But you're not getting a Lamborghini, you spoiled little saint. Don't be a spoiled little saint. Two, doubt. Hebrews 11.6, not with Without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. See, there's the scripture backing what I told you earlier. Don't have doubt, right? Believe God. One of the best ways that you can get rid of doubt is hearing testimonies of people who have been in similar circumstances and seen the faithfulness of God come through. If you don't have a lot of, that's one of the greatest things we get by coming together and being the body of Christ, sharing our testimonies. When one person's like, man, how did you walk through that? How did you walk through that loss? How did you walk through uh, getting fired and, and not having a backup plan? How did you walk through dealing with your kids going sideways? I trusted God. I got in his word and I kept staying faithful and I kept doing what I had to do. You got to get around people and hear how God has come through. And I'm telling you, your faith in God to answer your prayers will begin to rise. Disobedience. 1 John 3.21. Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive whatever we ask for him because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. We cannot walk in disobedience and just expect God to answer all of our prayers. You've got to walk in obedience. As a matter of fact, when you do walk in obedience and you do the things that God says, we don't even have time to get into all the if-thens in the Bible. But if you do what God says... A lot of the stuff you're praying for and asking for, you won't even have to ask for because it, it will come as a byproduct of being obedient because God has promised it. So many people praying for blessing. My Bible says that, that blessings chase after the righteous in Proverbs. Start focusing on walking in righteousness, and guess what? Them blessings are going to have to catch up to you. Got to know God's word. Marital strife, 1 Peter 3, 7. I love this. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. And weaker doesn't mean they're pitiful. Right? People, we just think weaker means, well, they're just, oh, God, I got to be here for them because they just wouldn't even make it on their own. Come on, that's not what he's talking about. But the Bible talks about it, even when we have offense. Right here, unresolved offense. And this ties in with marital strife. Matthew 5, 23. So if you're offering your gift on the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, or your wife or your husband, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. That's how much God values relationships. Don't come and just act like, you know, if you've got kids that are in conflict... And you know they've been fighting and one just tries to come and butter you up. Oh, I made this for you, Mom. I made this for you, Dad. No, you better first go back there and apologize to your brother or your sister. Don't try and come over here and offer me some gift when your heart's all funky towards your sibling. Go get it right. And then both of y'all can bring a gift. And it'll be accepted. And maybe put on my desk. I got, I got little spiders with pipe cleaners and other stuff that he's made for me but I don't accept that stuff if she hasn't been treating people right I'm trying to teach her right I'm still going y'all right I think we can be in church longer in 60 minutes and not die we'll be all right unconfessed sin and dishonesty Psalm 66 18 I am almost done if I had not confessed the sin in my heart the Lord would not have listened 
Some of you, your prayers aren't being answered because there's unconfessed sin, and you know it. You know it. Come on, you've got a conscience. You know when you're right with God and when you're not. Am I right? Listen, can I just encourage you? Get that thing out into the open with God before he exposes it. Because what is in darkness will be brought to light. So if you don't want to get exposed, expose yourself to God. Amen. Nathan would not have had to go visit David about Bathsheba had David done what he needed to do in the first place. But he didn't, and so then he got a visit. You don't want that kind of visit. This is my last point, because I could go a long ways on that one. Number six, prayer is an attitude. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always. When should we rejoice? You know what life would be like if we just did what this Bible tells us? I mean, we're going to find out one day. It's going to be, it's called heaven. But in the meantime, let's work on it here so we can get ready. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Some, some translations say pray without ceasing. Listen, what does that mean? It doesn't mean you pray 24-7, 365. That's impossible. Why would God ask you to do something that's literally impossible and then for you to feel condemned about it? No, it just means pray and don't stop praying. Keep praying, right? Stay at it. Don't take weeks off of praying. Come and get before God and spend time with him. Find a deserted place. This is Central Texas. There's plenty. And get away and pray. Some of you need to go outside and, and, and get in nature. God's nature, by the way, not mother's nature. Do some grounding. Go barefoot or something. Give thanks and everything. My wife keeps me up on all these things. Says I need to go ground. I can't ground in my backyard. There's too much dog poop. I got to clean it up first and then I can. Anyway, I'm busy. I'm busy. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in everything. Man, I wish I had so much more time to spend on this topic of prayer, and we'll get back to it. I got to get you out of here. I know you got stuff to do, and we got a next wave of folks coming in. But I do want to, as we always do, I want to wrap up our service by giving you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus, to put your faith in Christ. The Bible says that we're not promised our next breath. We don't know how many days we have. They're numbered. God knows. But Jesus came and died on the cross so that we could know him. We could be in relationship with God. All of us have a sin problem when we're born. Because of Adam's fall, we're a part of that. We're separated from God. And there is no way to get back to God except through Jesus Christ. And so I started this last week, and I'm going to continue on. If you're here today and you want to put your faith in Jesus Christ, you want to surrender your life to him, I'm telling you it'll be the best decision you ever make. And I'm going to give you a moment. I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand. And if you're really bold, I'm going to ask you to stand up, and we're going to lead you through a prayer and pray with you, and we're going to celebrate you making that decision today. And for those of you that have already made that decision, but truthfully you, you've kind of forgotten to keep God in the rightful place, and you've kind of been drifting in your relationship, Man, recommit your life to him today. Walk out of here right with God, experiencing his presence and knowing him and being confident that you're his. So on the count of three, if that's anybody in this place, I'm asking you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Anybody. 
That's all right. If we're all believers in here, I'll take it. It means we got some more uh, witnessing to do. But let me pray for you then. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Father, that we can pray, that you love to hear us pray, Lord God. You desire to spend that time with us. Lord, I pray that even though I had to go fast through this message, Lord God, as we're wrapping up this series, I ask God that, that your truth would sink into our hearts. Father, that any filler that I had in there would, would fade, but Lord, your truth that lasts for eternity would, would stick in our hearts and in our minds today, Lord God. Change us and draw us closer to you. And I pray that every single person under the sound of my voice, that their prayer time, even this week, Lord, would just skyrocket that they would experience you, that they would testify of how they just got along with you and all of a sudden they start hearing you speak maybe for the first time ever or the first time in a long time. And, and as they were reading your word, you, you just start showing them things that they'd never seen before, God. Let prayer come alive in their lives, Lord, and let this house always be a house of prayer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you all.